years past, we've had some at Glasstown, some here, maybe some at Christ Community or wherever. Uh, they're both going to be here 4 and 5.30. And uh, I'm going to have Lois come up because she's going to talk about this for just a minute. Uh, we've got something special we want to do uh, for this Christmas Eve service. So you ready? I'm very ready. All right, everybody. I got a story to tell you, just a very small one. Um, well, if you all know me, it might be a little longer when I don't know. Back when I was between like 13 and 17, I was in a youth group over at Daretown Presbyterian Church. Oh. <laughs> and our group decided we were going to create a little choir. And we, we named it the Uniques. And so then we convinced our youth leader at the time, my piano teacher then, her name was Cheryl Yarrington, shout out to her. And uh, she decided to head us up. So sooner or later, churches found out about us, and they asked us to come all over the place and go sing. So between 13 and 17, the uniques were a huge part of my life. Well, that brings me to something really, really special. How many of you would like to see LFA have a choir? Well, guess what? I'm heading up a choir. And we're going to be singing... On Christmas Eve, two service to get yourself ready. And I'm going to be out in the lobby today, right after this service, after second service. And we're going to sing about three or four songs in both Christmas Eve services, okay? So it's going to be about like 12 years old and up. So families, come on out with your kids, 12 years old and up, and we're going to do it, okay? I think it's just going to be a tremendous blessing to you all. To those of you who are going to hear and those of you who are going to sing. So it's just, it's just so much fun. So thank you, Chris, for your time. Thank you all for your time. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> all right, awesome. So um, we're going to dismiss our kids for Treasure Seekers. Um, it's going to be a little bit different today. They're going to be coming back in towards the end of the sermon. Um, you'll hear more about that later, but I'll just let you know when they come back in. Look for them when they come back in. But kids, first through fifth grade, you guys are free to go. All right. God bless you guys. All right. I was waiting for you to say lots of nice things about me, Chris. That's what I was waiting for. My mic's still on. What do you want me to say? <laughs> now, can you guys welcome Pastor Greg? All right. Good morning, everybody. So uh, my contention throughout this sermon series that we've been in uh, is that since the first century, uh, God has been doing the same thing over and over and over again. And what God has been doing is he has been forming Jesus-centered disciples at, that would partner with the Holy Spirit in creating kingdom-minded churches. And that movement has been passed from generation to generation. It has surpassed geographic boundaries. It has surpassed cultural boundaries to the extent that something that started on the other side of the world, right, is in practice Today, we, it's now our turn in this same movement that Jesus started uh, with his group of disciples. It's now our turn to implement, right, living Jesus-centered lives, partnering together with the Holy Spirit and forming a kingdom-minded community. Now it's, now, it's, now it's our turn, right? In this day, it's our turn in this generation, and so what we've been saying is uh, that to do that, 
uh, to do that, in order for us to live this out, what we're gonna have to do uh, is we're gonna have to become Jesus-centered disciples, all right? We're gonna have to grow up in terms of maturity. I hear something. Is that on me? Somebody's timer going off? I hear it up here. I feel like it's on my body somewhere. I guess it'll go off eventually. It is. It was on my iPad. Yeah, it was me. Time for me to start preaching. All right. It's a good reminder. Please silence your cell phones. Oops. All right. So, uh, so the point is, in order for us to be mature... Right? In order for us to grow as Jesus-centered disciples, we're going to need to live in these three patterns, these three rhythms of discovering and treasuring Jesus, following Jesus into every area of life, and going and revealing Jesus. There's no concept of a mature Jesus-centered disciple that doesn't live in these three spaces all the time. All right, that's what, that's what a Jesus-centered disciple looks like. And in order for us to grow into that level of maturity, there's some habits that need to be formed in our lives. There's some things that need to, there's some things that need to, to grow up in us, some, some key practices. And so over this sermon series, we've been focusing on six of those, right? And so I'm getting to the last one today. So if you remember where we've been, uh, we've looked at uh, increasing our biblical literacy. So that's that habit related to scripture, uh, wanting to normalize our gospel conversations uh, so that we exalt Jesus as true savior, uh, creating bridges for life-on-life discipleship, right? So that's in discipling others. These are areas for us to mature as a church. We talked about, um, Diego talked about uh, being a house of prayer, and that gets into being a a place of prayer and worship. Uh, We talked about uh, establishing strategic partnerships. So I talked about that last week related to mission. And then today, today we're going to talk about the area related to our spiritual gifts. Um, And the way that I'm describing that is is us as a church implementing an effective greenhouse leadership development model. All right, that's a, that's a big phrase, and I don't care if you remember that phrase or not. If you just get the word greenhouse, right, get the word greenhouse in your mind. What do we do with greenhouses, right? We, we nurture things. We, de- we develop things. So a greenhouse would be God's design was for his disciples to become apostles, where followers become leaders, So if we want to take seriously God's call for kingdom advancement, then we need to take seriously the development of kingdom leaders, right? So if we want to see the kingdom of God grow, well, the kingdom of God is going to grow as disciples, right, embrace their spiritual gift and move into uh, levels where they are leading, where they are leading others. So this morning in our final, in our final sermon series, Uh, or in in our final sermon, um, I want to track through an emerging New Testament Testament leader. And so in the book of Acts, I could have picked any number of leaders. Um, There were several that I could have chosen. I could have chosen the author, Luke. Uh, He's one of the emerging leaders that Paul disciples. Uh, John Mark, great example of uh, of, of somebody who started strong and then uh, failed in leadership and then was restored in leadership. I could have picked Silas, 
uh, who partnered with Paul on missionary journey number two, missionary journey number three. I could have picked the husband and wife team of Aquila and Priscilla, could have picked Apollos, but instead I picked a young pastor named Timothy. And so we're going to be tracking Timothy's life. Uh, and so most of what we're going to be looking at comes out of the book of Acts, which is where, we've, uh, where we learn the history of the early church is in the book of Acts. Um, so we're going to dive into uh, exploring who Timothy was. And then we're going to, uh, out of looking at his life, I want to I drill into six um, essential uh, developmental principles for leaders. All right, so leadership development principles, there's going to be six of those uh, that will draw out of the life and story of Timothy. All right, so let me pray for us, and then we're going to start talking about this, this uh, young pastor. God, thank you for Timothy. Thank you for his life. I thank you that the apostle Paul identified something in him, saw something, invited him to to join him on missionary journey number two. And then because of that faithfulness, we, we get to see a pattern of developing leaders, of, of maturing disciples to where they are in leadership roles. And so I pray this morning that wherever we are in that, some of us are in a place of uh, we're still exploring Am I interested in being a disciple of Jesus? And some of us are in the discipleship path and, and we're learning to follow Jesus and there's an invitation to, to grow as a leader. And, and, and some of us are in the position of maybe God is calling us to a ministry like Paul's where, where we need to invest in some emerging leaders. And so uh, I pray wherever we are in that maturing discipleship journey, I pray God that your Holy Spirit would lead us to truth this morning. In your name I pray, Jesus, and for your glory, amen. All right, so Timothy uh, was from uh, this place called uh, Lystra, uh, which is a beautiful place. That's a picture of it there on your left. Uh, you can see where Antioch is on the map in the far right. That's where Paul was launched. That was his sending church. So he's really not that far from where he had launched. Um, and so he meets uh, probably he meets Timothy's family on his first missionary journey, uh, which is captured here in Acts chapter 16. So the mother of Timothy uh, says that Paul came to Derby in, uh, and to Lystra. And a disciple uh, was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, uh, but his father was Greek. Right, so that's uh, that's you're you're getting to meet Timothy's uh, getting to meet Timothy's parents. We find out uh, that his mother was Jewish. She was a God fearer, uh, much like Cornelius would have been a, a God fearer, and then got introduced to who Jesus was and became a disciple of Jesus. That's what happens. Uh, that's what happens for Timothy's mom. Uh, doesn't sound like that's what happens for Timothy's dad. So he is characterized only as um, as being Greek or being a Gentile. Uh, we also find out uh, that Timothy's, um, Timothy's mother or grandmother was also a follower of Jesus. Uh, this comes up in 2 Timothy 1.5. I'm reminding you of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, uh, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So we find out that uh, Timothy has a heritage of faith. Uh, most probably these women came to faith in Jesus on Paul's first missionary journey, uh, when, which was probably around 44 uh, to 46 uh, A.D., 
Um, and so Paul is there, and if you remember this story, it's kind of a fascinating story uh, where Paul shows up, uh, he shows up there, and he heals a crippled man. Um, missionary journey number one, do you remember who he's with? He's not with Silas in missionary journey one. He's with who? Barnabas. So he and Barnabas show up, and it seems like Barnabas is kind of taking the lead. Um, and so they show up, they heal this guy. God does this miracle, and this crippled man is healed, and the people get stirred up thinking that the Greek gods have now returned, and so they think Barnabas is Zeus, and Paul is Hermes, and the Greek gods are among them, um, and Paul you know, kind of clarifies, no, that's not, that's not us. Um, this wasn't by our power, uh, and the mood starts to shift, and soon after this, uh, the people start to, to get stirred up against Paul, and Paul ends up being stoned, left for dead, uh, and this happens in Timothy's hometown. Uh, but but uh, the, the text reads in an interesting way uh, where Paul obviously doesn't die, but he's left for dead. They think he's dead, and then he rises, and the language almost sounds like he was dead and came back to life. But, but he certainly, um, there's a spectacle about uh, Paul, uh, and he uh, is healthy and then moves on. But before he moves on, there are, it says that there were many that became disciples. Uh, he established elders and a church was planted. So that becomes Timothy's, most likely that becomes Timothy's home church. Uh, and so according to Paul, uh, that's where Timothy, uh, he was taught scripture as a child. Um, and that's a, a famous Rembrandt painting um, uh, of you know, Timothy learning uh, the fear of God, learning the scriptures uh, early on. But what I want you to get out of this is our first leadership development principle. The first leadership development principle is this. Uh, leaders are first established in the word of God. Right? We must be established in the word of God. So that's what Timothy got from his mom and his grandmom. It said in verse 15 of 2 Timothy 3, it said that how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred text, that he had learned it. So if we want to grow as leaders, we need to be established in the word of God. That's why we do aspire. That's why Art and Frank have been leading this two-year study through God's word as a foundation for people because we need to be rooted in the text. And I think there's two reasons why being established in the word of God is essential for the development of a leader. The first reason is we get to know God in the pages of scripture. Right, it's not just about information. It's not just about getting uh, good biblical principles to apply to our finances, to our relationships, to, you know, it, the, the, that's great, but that should be the result of getting close to the nature and character of the Father that we learn in the pages of Scripture. I was talking to a guy who, um, who I've been discipling, and he's now discipling some other people, and that's what he said, you know what, I'm just gonna make sure in all of my discipling relationships that, that people are just getting to God in Scripture. I said, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna be on track if you do that. I think the second reason why getting established in the Word of God is so important is because it establishes authority where you're not on your own, that you're coming under the authority of God's word. And when we're willing to come under the authority of God's word, now we have something that we can work with. But if you're not willing to come under the authority of God's word, 
right, then, then I have no leverage point for you, right? Because really, it's just gonna be, you're going to end up doing what you want to do unless you're willing to come under the authority of scripture. So the first leadership development principle that we see in Timothy's life is that even before they knew Jesus, they knew scripture. And Timothy was trained in the word of God. And so then as Paul came in and he explained who Jesus was, they became Jesus followers. Then their understanding of all that God had been doing in the Old Testament just got that much more, that much more rich. Now, that leads me to uh, leadership development principle number two, which is this, that Timothy was faithful in the little. If you want to be developed as a leader, be faithful in the little. Before he was given a leadership role, he was already well spoken of. Before Timothy was part of the apostolic band, I mean, think about that. There's only a handful of people that we celebrate as part of this first century apostolic movement, and Timothy is one of them. So before he got a position in Paul's team, he was already, he was already faithful. Let me show you this. This is Acts chapter 16. So this is the second missionary journey. Paul comes to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. We already read that verse. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Right, so he had a growing reputation, not just in his hometown, but also in Iconium. So people were commending, hey, Paul, you know, you gotta meet this guy, Timothy. Like, he's, he's just a quality guy. Probably at this point in time, uh, if Timothy's born around 17, uh, 17 AD, uh, then uh, probably he's early 30s. Paul is late 40s uh, at this point in time. And so he's saying uh, he has, at that point, a good reputation already. But I want you to know this is prior to any position. And I think that's significant because a lot of times when I work with young leaders, they want it the opposite. They want to develop their reputation after they've been given a position, as opposed to being a person that is willing to be faithful in little. To the point where when you're faithful in little, when you are established as a leader, people go, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that fits. Right? As opposed to getting a position, right? getting a position, and then trying to establish your faithfulness. Be faithful in little. Be faithful first. Timothy demonstrated faithfulness to the point where he was well spoken of. And his leadership was recognized through faithfulness, and then his leadership was uh, established or validated through Paul's invitation where he said he wanted to take him uh, to accompany him on his missionary journeys. So this leads me to leadership development principle number three. Now, I have a little tool that I want to introduce you to uh, that is a uh, leadership development square. And I think we're going to see it uh, emerge kind of clearly here out of the text, certainly with the model of Jesus. This is something that I'm borrowing from. Uh, I didn't make this up. This is something I'm borrowing from a ministry called 3DM. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a helpful little shape if I can pick up the... Markers didn't anticipate that being difficult. All right, so uh, this is leadership principle number one. So it's a leadership square, and we're going to go around the square, starting this way. 
Hopefully just this little tool will help you remember. Um, so this is the developmental point number one. And you've probably heard this before in different, in different ways. Uh, but basically what we say here in development stage number one is we say, uh, I do, and then you watch. Right, so Paul invited Timothy to follow him, right? Remember the first invitation that Jesus gave to his disciples was not lead with me, right? It was follow me. This is incredible. Jesus said, follow me. And then what did he say next? He said, and I will make. So you follow me. I'm going to make you into something. Right, so it's a, it's a command, follow me, and then a promise, you're gonna be made something, and what are you gonna be made into? You're gonna be made fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, disciple, fisher of men, leader. Follow me, disciple, fisher of men, apostle. Right, so this is uh, leadership development principle number one, right, is I do, you watch. And, and this, uh, this space of leadership development, uh, this space of leadership development is often characterized by high enthusiasm, right? High confidence, low experience, low competence. Let me say that again. So high enthusiasm, yeah, you know, Timothy's like, yeah, I'm getting on the team, I'm on the squad, right? So he's excited, he's confident, has very little experience, very little competence, so that's why you're excited, watch what I do. That's what Paul says to him. So you, you follow me as I follow Jesus. I, um, I don't remember which, which of my kids I, I took to their first uh, soccer practice. And I've had lots of years of experience playing soccer, playing the sport since I was you know, five. I've coached uh, high school, I've coached college, I played through college. So I have a lot of, you know, experience in this thing, um, which is why I'm often one of my kids' uh, coaches or assistant coaches. But on this team, I was not either. So I brought them, and they're a group of, like, five, six-year-olds. And the coach sits them down and says, well, welcome, everybody, to the soccer team. What do you guys want to do? <laughs> I thought, whoa, this is not going to go well. <laughs> right? Like, what he was doing was at that point, he was giving over the leadership of the team to a group of five or six-year-olds, which they may have known a little bit more about soccer, which maybe wasn't a bad idea. But, <laughs> but at this stage, right, at this stage of development, it's not consensus. It's not, hey, what do you want to do? What are your ideas? It's follow me, right? Fo follow me. I'm going to do, and then your job is just observe, just, just watch, just come alongside, come and be with me, right? That's the first stage of development. And then we move to our second stage of development, which we see uh, in, in uh, Timothy's life. Um, it's I'll do it, uh, I'll do it and you help, right? So now we're down here at D2, so it's I do, and then you help, right? So now this is an invitation. You've watched, you've observed, you've learned. Now bring your strength. Now bring your creativity, 
right? Now bring yourself into this process. You remember Jesus doing this with his disciples, where there'd be times where he would send them out, right? Or even better yet, the time when uh, the, the presentation of, hey, this group of people is really hungry, we don't have any food, and what did Jesus say to them? Well, you, you give them something to eat, right? So he, gives, he would give opportunity, right, for them to, to be part of what, of what he was doing. Often what happens at this stage of development, maybe early on, things are going great, right? They've watched, they've observed, but now, uh-oh, problems happen. My friend Basil Watson, who's a very faithful pastor here in Vineland, he said, nobody ever told me that sheep bite, right? So, wow, it sounds romantic to be a leader. Well, yeah, maybe for a couple minutes, and then the reality sets in where you have to lead, and there's challenges along the way. And so one of the things that happens now is where there was high enthusiasm, high confidence, right? As challenges come up, you move to low enthusiasm, low confidence, and still low experience and low competence. So sometimes in D2, it becomes a little dark. It becomes a little bit challenging. So what did that look like for Timothy? Well, it didn't take long for Timothy to experience some conflict. So here's Timothy's conflict. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. That's what I just read. And he took him and, hello, he circumcised him. So Timothy had to be circumcised. Remember, I said Timothy's early 30s. So Timothy has to be circumcised. Why? Well, because the Jews uh, who were in those places, they knew that his father was Greek. So why did Timothy have to get circumcised? The reason he had to be circumcised was this. His dad was Greek, and everybody knew it. And Paul's pattern, remember we talked about this last week, one of his strategic partnerships was with, was with whom? When he would go to a city, where would he go first? Go to the synagogue, right? And then there was this, this group of people that were following Paul around to try and discredit him to the point when he got back to Jerusalem Right? They were saying, hey, here's, what, here's what's being said about you is that you hate the Old Testament law, that you preach against it, that you say that it's bad. Paul's like, well, that's not true. Right? So what Paul did was in order for him to have gospel access in the synagogue, he circumcises his right-hand man so that Timothy would be accepted at that platform as a strategic place in order, right, in order to share the gospel. So that was the initial conflict. So yay, I'm part of the team. Yay, I'm getting to be in the apostolic band. But immediately, I mean, it's even in the same verse, immediately Timothy comes up against a conflict. Here's my word of warning for you when you step into leadership and you step into a place where you now you're, you're, you're in D2 and you're, and you're working, you're engaging, and things start to break down, what tends to happen is we say, well, it was great back here, so I'm just gonna turn myself around. Leadership's not for me. I'm gonna turn myself around, and I'm just gonna stay in this space of D1. And then maybe they're in D1 for a couple years again. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be on the back burner. I'll just observe, you know, and... But then they decide to step into D2 again. It's great at first, but then challenges start to come. 
They say, shoot, I forgot. I had resolved that I was just gonna stay back here. Right? Why do I keep putting myself into leadership? And those of you who have done this, you know that you face challenges in leadership. So here's my warning to you. Right? You have to persevere in D2 in order to get to D3. You gotta stay the course. God is allowing you to experience some of that struggle because he has more in store for you as a leader and for others. So for Timothy, it was obvious in order for him to have credibility to have the initial conversation among the Jews, he needed to be circumcised. And then that gave him a platform, right, for, for gospel proclamation. So don't resort back to that comfortable place of just observing, but push through the conflict itself is training you. To the point where, um, and I'm not gonna be able to develop this uh, this morning, I'd love to talk to you more about it at some point, but with each one of uh, D1, D2, D3, D4, there's also an L1, L2, L3, L4, because leadership has to look different at each of those stages. So for Paul, Right at, at D2, one of the things that you need to do as a leader, uh, a developing leader starts to struggle, what you need to do is get close. Don't, don't leave them out on their own. So a leader needs to get close. So Paul does that. And he writes some amazing letters to Timothy. And in one of his letters, Paul says, listen, Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy. When the council of elders laid their hands on you, you remember that, Timothy? Right? He calls to mind Timothy's calling. Why do you think he needs to do that? Well, probably Timothy's facing some obstacles. Right? And needs to be grounded in what God had called him to do and who he was as a leader. Okay, I need to move on. Leadership development principle five, which is the D3, right? You do... And then I help, right? So Paul steps into the assistant role. So what did Jesus do with his disciples during this season? He would connect with them, debrief with them. This would be the times where they would have those ministry experiences and then say, Jesus, why, like, why couldn't we cast out that demon? Oh, well, let, let's have a conversation about that. And Jesus would be close to them. Jesus would talk this through with them. But they were actually the ones that were doing, they were the ones that were doing the ministry. And I'm sure that was part of traveling with Paul. That's probably exactly what happened. You know, as they would be, you know, on a boat, as they would be in transit, right? Hey, let's talk about what, what happened there in Lystra and in Derby and in Iconium. And, you know, what's going to be on, you know, what's coming up for us uh, in the future, I remember uh, last year when Angelo came back from Lake Champion, he and Pastor Chris got to do this on their ride back and forth. Just a time of, hey, let's catch up. This is where we've been. This is what's been going on. As I've been you know, operating over here in, in D2 and then moving into D3 where, where I'm, you know, I, I'm moving from uh, disciple to leader and, 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 and here's some questions that I, that I picked up along the way. We know something happened uh, for Timothy in this movement. Why? Because we find Timothy here in D3. 
we find Timothy um, in that place of being, of being a leader. This is an interesting thing that happens. In Acts 17, 14, then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way uh, to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there, right? This was in, I think this was in Berea. He remained with the Bereans. So this is the first time now, the first invitation in chapter 16 to Timothy was Paul saying, come, you know, be with me on the journey. Now, now Paul is setting him apart, but he's not ready to go on his own. So what does Paul do? Well, Paul leaves his right-hand man with Timothy, which at this point is Silas. And so Silas and Timothy stay in Berea and do ministry while Paul moves on. But you see now this is another step in Timothy's development, right? Paul, the, the apostolic, apostolic leader, he moves on and then is entrusting Timothy uh, to stay in this area. So you can see him starting to release Timothy, Timothy in ministry, uh, but he's not done. Um, this happens a couple of times over Acts 17 and over Acts 18. And then something interesting happens in Acts chapter 19, where uh, Timothy is left again, but this time in Acts chapter 19, I don't think I have a verse for you on that. This time in Acts chapter 19, it says, Timothy and Erastus are left. So all the other times, it's Silas, Timothy, Silas, Timothy. Now, Silas is out of the picture. It's Timothy and Erastus. And what I guess Luke is doing as he writes this is in a very subtle way, he's demonstrating leadership development. Remember, at, uh, Pastor Chris pointed this out. At first, it was Barnabas and Saul, right? Then it was Paul and Barnabas. Then Paul and Silas, right? Then Silas and Timothy, Silas and Timothy, Silas and Timothy, then Timothy and Erastus. So now Timothy is moving into more of a leadership role, right? That's, that's a bit speculative, but I think I have some good, some good evidence for it. So at this point, when you get now to developmental stage three, where you do I help, there's increasing enthusiasm. You've turned the corner from the struggle. There's intermittent confidence, Right, I don't have it all together yet, but, but I've been through a bit of a battle. I've learned some lessons. I, you know, I, have some, uh, I have some credibility based on where I've been, and I've fought through, and now I have some intermittent confidence. I have growing experience and growing competence. And I want you to know what happens for Timothy, right, is this, that there's a point in time where the elders, they lay their hands on Timothy and they set him apart, right? We would call this, the Bible doesn't use this word, but we would call this ordination, right? Where, where he is ordained, he is set apart to serve the churches to such a point where Paul, while he's imprisoned in Rome, which is at the end of his fourth missionary journey, while he's in prison, he writes four epistles, three of which mention Timothy being with him towards the end of his life. And at this point, Timothy has ministered in at least five of our New Testament churches, right? So we find that Timothy in Acts 17 that I referred to earlier, he was ministering in Berea with Silas. Then again with Silas, he was ministering in Thessalonica. And you can see these cities right, Berea, and then Thessalonica. He also then ministered in Philippi, uh, and then he ministers in Ephesus and in Corinth. 
Those are all places that the New Testament tells us that Timothy was a leader. So what we see happening now is Timothy moves from D3 to D4. And here's what happens in D4 is I celebrate, right? And you lead, right? So Paul's role here is one of celebration in D4. There's still relational connection, right? They're close, they're tight. There's high enthusiasm, high confidence, high experience, high competence, right? So, um, so you, I celebrate and then you do. So this is Paul at the end of his life. I want you to get this picture of Paul at the end. So he writes in 2 Timothy 4, he's in prison in Rome. He writes in 2 Timothy 4, he writes this, do your best, he's writing to Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, a developing leader, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Uh, Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. And he probably says, and that guy Luke is always researching and studying, right? Luke alone is with me. So get Mark, which is pretty cool, and bring him with you, for he is very useful in ministry to me. This is the same Mark that Paul didn't want anything to do with uh, chapters earlier. Uh, Tychicus I've sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring that coat, you know, that fuzzy one that keeps me warm. I left that in Carpus at Troas. Also the books and above all the parchments. Make sure I have my letters, right? I've been working on those and, and I'm corresponding with the churches. Timothy, make sure you bring those, you bring those with me. Right, so he names some of the partners that are with him. Uh, he and Timothy at this stage have developed a relationship that at the end, Paul wants him close by. And then Paul's celebrating. He testifies to the church at Philippi uh, regarding the unique Christian character of this guy, Timothy. Listen to what he says about Timothy. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know, Timothy, he's proven worth how as a son with a father, he has served uh, with me in the gospel. Then according to the first chapter of Fox's Book of Martyrs, uh, Timothy dies in 97 AD, upholding the truth of the gospel. Fox, Fox's Book of Martyrs states that uh, Timothy was the bishop of Ephesus and was murdered when he told a crowd of pagans that their uh, idolatrous ways uh, and celebrations were ridiculous. So that's Timothy. That's the, that's the developing leader, right, that, that in, in the greenhouse ministry of the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul walks with him through his stages of development to where at the end of Paul's life, they have a relationship a friendship, they have a real true partnership, and Timothy has been entrusted and released into ministry. This whole sermon series for me has been about not saying, hey, here's the events we wanna do in the future, here's the programs that we wanna do in the future as a church, but for me it's more, this is the kind of culture that we want to grow, we want to mature in, that we want to cultivate. And so part of the culture we want to cultivate is 
is a leadership development culture where if we're doing life-on-life discipleship and we're being faithful to that, then we also want to be able to release those disciples as leaders into whatever area God has called them into. So the way I wanna end our time, (coughs) excuse me, is uh, I wanna invite a couple people to come on up and just to share with you a little bit about their experience of, of the greenhouse of Living Faith Alliance Church and their experience of being uh, developed as leaders. All right, so uh, Ron Mason, come on up. Uh, Lindsay uh, Thompson, come on up. And uh, Angelo, come on up. Welcome, treasure seekers. You're gonna get to hear a couple of stories uh, about people who are Jesus followers that treasure Jesus, and they're also becoming leaders. All right, so you can listen up as they tell their story, and one of those people is your teacher, Mr. Angelo. All right. So welcome, guys. I'm going first. Why don't you come on into the middle? Thank you. Get close. Yep, get close. Get close. All right, so I'll start with this question. Um, How have you grown? How has God equipped you as a leader here at Living Faith? Hey, Lindsay. All right, good. I'm going first? Okay. You're up. You got the microphone. Yeah, I guess so. All right, so um, how God's equipped me as a leader. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I got these questions a few days ago, but I didn't really think much about it, and I was just like, I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit would put things on my heart to say, uh, and that it would just be genuine and honest. But I think I've been equipped as a leader here uh, just to be really thinking about things like I've never really thought of them before. Hmm. Like I, my whole perspective around hmm. ministry, like there's something about like getting to go to a school and just studying about ministry and then actually getting thrown right into the midst of the front lines and uh, just getting to like see it every day. Like how do I love people? How do I care for people? How do I navigate conflict? It's just some things that I felt like school couldn't equip me for, but it was something that I found here that it was the space where God was, was using me to influence the next generation, but in a way that he was caring for my own heart and training in me, me in things that I didn't even think I needed to learn about or know. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. That's great. Um, hand the microphone to Ron. I'm going to switch the order up a little bit with the questions because I want to point something out. So... Um, you went to NIAC, and your major was? Pastoral Ministries. Pastoral Ministries major. Mm-hmm. And you started there at what age? Uh, mm, <clears throat> like 19. 19? 20. 20. Okay. So, Ron, I'm guessing when you were 19 or 20, you were not in a Pastoral Ministries <laughs> track. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> so, how did you get into the position of leadership that, that you're in? Wow, it started with me having a dream uh, 17 years ago about talking to people about Jesus. And I can go in great detail about that, but that will take 22 minutes and 17 seconds, and I don't think Greg's (laughs) going to allow that. (laughs) But I just kept saying yes to opportunities as they arose. I was able to interact with some great people in there, Art Berufi, Greg, Nate, Diego. They all walked with me. They all held me up. And they all smacked me in the back of the head when I needed it. 
And that, I think that's really important. We talk about greenhouse, and we talked about growing and nurturing. There's also weeding that has to happen. Hmm. So I think that's important to make sure we touch on. That's good. But most of all, I kept saying yes. And I said yes to some things that I didn't want to do. I had no desire to do. I've always said that for whatever reason, you know, I had all these great illusions in my mind that I want to do this, I want to do that. But God always brings me back to what I call crisis ministry. And I don't think it's anywhere that someone would say, that's where I want to be, but that's where God wants me to be. Yeah, that's great, Ron. Thank you. Um, Lindsay, I'm going to go back to question number one with you, which, by the way, um, Angelo is over our middle school. He's our middle school ministries coordinator, so he oversees uh, treasure seekers and middle school. And so, so he's working with, with that group of people and leaders. Um, Ron is our uh, men's discipleship uh, and uh, celebrate recovery. Those are the areas that he, he spends his time in. Uh, and Lindsay is our women's discipleship coordinator. All right, so that's, uh, that's who's in front of you here. So, Lindsay, uh, what has God done in equipping you uh, as a leader here? Um, well, it's funny because I did not go to school for, like, ministry development, and I feel like I had the opposite experience of Angela where I felt like I was thrown into it, and then it was, oh, like, here's some schooling. So right now I'm in the Empower program through the CMA, and it's specifically for women in leadership development. Um, and when I was talking to somebody else, I was trying to explain what the courses were like, and I said, you know when like you're in church or you're in a conversation and you have that moment where it's, I'm not really sure how I feel about that, or I'm not really sure what I believe about that, I'll have to think about that more. And then you get to the busyness of life, and that more never happens. So Empower is where I've been able to do that more, like really sifting through, like, what does God need to develop in me? What does maturity for myself look like? So that's been a huge piece of leadership development here. Good. So I didn't give you, I didn't prep you with this question, um, but I'm trying to create the conflict of D2. So, um, so question, question for you is, for a, a, any of the three of you, what would you tell a developing leader or somebody who's at a place of, mm, I'm sensing that God is inviting me to more? What, like, what, what, do you have to, what do you have to say to them? What would be a word that you'd want to share with them? Uh, cultivate it. I, um, so when I was 17 and I was at my grandmother's funeral service and I just, literally my mom threw me into it. Like the priest said, you know, anybody want to speak for her? And, and my mom says, yeah, my son will. And I went, I'm going to do what? Like, I was not who you think you'd know me as. Like, I was shy. I didn't talk. I was like, just, you wouldn't think that I would get up on stage like I am today. This is just a miracle. And it was in that time where I felt like God spoke to me in, in, in my gut, in the the still small voice, he said, this is what you're called to do. And I was like, I have no idea what the heck that means. But it took space for me to just continue, like Ron said, like, right, just saying yes to God. And I, you know, joined a youth ministry where I just started plugging in and serving. I, I jumped into, uh, like, teaching a CCD class uh, at the Catholic church while I was still there. Like, 
I did things when I felt like, I don't know if, if God, you're really calling me to this, but I'm going to just test it. Mm. I'm going to step into a space where I get to cultivate it. And as I did that, then I discovered more and more the call of God on my life. That's great. Sounds very much like the D1 of follow, right? You don't know what it yeah, is. I don't know. Just stepping, I don't even know what that is. Just stepping yeah. in. <laughs> My word would be perseverance. In the beginning, when I found Jesus and I was on fire, nothing went fast enough. I'm ready. Give it to me. I can handle it all. I discover God doesn't give the keys to the Ferrari to a two-year-old. <laughs> so perseverance, we got to learn. We have to walk through mistakes. We have to walk through teachings. Uh, we have to walk through sometimes discipline. And all of this is part of our growing and learning. So perseverance for me is the number one word. Uh, before you go, Ron, at what age do we get the keys to the Ferrari? <laughs> I know somebody's thinking that question. The day we die. Oh, yeah? Thanks. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this earlier, and I thought, I, like, I wanted to sit down and just list out all the things that I'm involved with or the things that I am responsible for in my life, and it is a long list. Um, I think it's interesting because we all have very different stages of life. Um, I'm a mother of two. I own and run my own business. I, like, I do a lot of things and I'm responsible for a lot in our household. And now I'm stepping into this area of ministry. That list of busyness, like, that's not an area of boasting. That's an area of, like, God is trying to help me walk in more maturity with that. But I think if I were to show that list to anybody... I would have gotten the response of, well, it makes sense that you're feeling like you can't do this, mm -hmm. right? Like, you have so much on your plate already, and they would have been really well-meaning sentiments from people, but, um, but when I felt God's call in my life, I felt like I knew the, the wise people to go to where I wasn't going to get that response. Um, and they were going to say to me, Lindsay, if this is God's calling on your life, then he's going to carry you through what he's calling you to. And so um, for me, that was like a big encouraging piece is don't let the laundry list of responsibilities and busyness detract from what God's calling you to. That's beautiful. Thank you, guys. I think you guys got to hear very clearly experiences from the D1 to the D2 and some of the challenges along the way. Uh, and I would encourage you to follow up with questions related to uh, the D3 and D4 experiences for these for these leaders. So thank you guys so much. All right. You coming up? but it's all good. So a couple things before um, we stand and we sing this last song together. Um, leaders are fill in the blank. How would you fill that in? Some people would say, well, leaders are born. Okay. First of all, yes, every leader has been born, but they were not necessarily born a natural leader. 
two, leaders are made sometimes. I think the bigger truth is that leaders are summoned. God calls leaders. So sometimes we hear things about leadership. Oh, that's nice. I'm in a church that develops leaders. That's really cool. That's awesome. But that's not for me. But I want to pose the question this morning. What about you? What about the areas that you could lead? It could be any one of these four stages that Greg drew on the board. There's things that maybe God's calling you just to give a simple yes to. Um, I know there's some obstacles that come up with this. Well, I don't feel qualified. I don't feel well enough. I don't feel competent enough or confident enough. Listen, every leader feels vulnerable. You're just going to have to accept that as part of it. So why not just take that first vulnerable step and step into leadership? So we have some people that the, at the end of the service, they'll come and they'll pray for you. Uh, and I'll explain this thing at the end. But um, why don't we go ahead and stand together? Um, during this song... Would you sing this over leadership? Leadership of your life, leadership of the church. Uh, these, Lord, these words that say, Lord, I come, I confess. Lord, I need you. Uh, that's a very key thing. So if you're feeling that, you're feeling like you need to respond to the call to leadership, you can come on up to the altar and we'll have some people pray with you. Let's sing it together. I cannot stand up all on you. 
today. Um, God, I just pray over us to be a courageous church that when uh, you call, we say, yes, Dad. Um, so would you, would you help us? Um, would you remind us and show us those opportunities to step into as a church family? We pray in your name. Amen. And so you guys, uh, next Sunday officially starts Advent. So we as a church, we created a little resource for you for Advent. So hang tight before you go too crazy. I know it's like the end of class, you're ready to go, but, but just hang tight. So the front page of this, uh, it looks a little kiddish, but don't just dismiss this because there's some kid drawings on the front. Um, we get those little chocolate Advent calendars for our kids and they got to find what day it is. So there's a front section like this where you got to find what day of Advent it is. There's a verse there that you can talk about. And you can talk about this verse, think about this verse, whether you're single, married, uh, like empty nesters, whatever age you are, it's designed for everybody. Uh, and then there's a guide on the back uh, for certain activities that go with each day of Advent. Uh, so you can use either side, whichever way you want. I uh, just wanted to make sure you were aware of this. So we'll be giving it out at the doors here. Uh, as you go. So grab one of these, throw it up on the fridge, talk it over with your kids, because Advent starts on Sunday. There's no week breaks. Make sense? So during Advent season, our services are going to begin a little differently, so you're going to want to make sure you're here on time, uh, so you can be a part of the things that we're doing during uh, this leading up to Christmas time. So God bless you guys as you go. Have a great day.
shoes will be the only name that matters to me the only one whose favor i seek the only name that matters to me yours will be the friendship and affection i need to feel my father smiling on me
my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way when I cannot stand or fall on me Jesus you're my hope and stay yeah, when I cannot stand or fall on you Jesus you're my
Grateful that you 